Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Female Endeavor. Uh, Today, I am sharing my experience about motherhood, early motherhood, pregnancy, and the pandemic. I uh, just wrapped up about my pregnancy and the scary parts of that. Um, Delivery, delivery was a whole other aspect. Um, Like I said, my baby was breech. And uh, Frank Breach, which means his legs were straight up in a pike, he uh, sat real low in my pelvic floor, and uh, which was great because I looked like a cute, a cute, uh, cute little pregnant woman. My belly barely popped out, <laughs> so people would be like, "Oh, you look normal from chest up." I worked literally up until the night I gave birth, and I would be on Zoom, Zoom you know, meetings and no one would really know that I was pregnant because you literally could not tell, um, until I stood up and I had this little bump that came out. So while it was all cute from the outside for several months of my pregnancy, um, it really killed me later, uh, having him sit so deep in my pelvic floor, just, it it was painful. I think right about, uh, 30 weeks for most women is when, you know, we take our pregnancy photos and we're starting to be finally in that third trimester. And, uh, man, that's when it gets real. And I started having Braxton Hicks and I was in a lot of pain, but I just, you know, what are you going to do? You got to keep going. So I propped my feet up. I had a little a side table on my couch that I pulled up and I'd have my laptop and my notebooks and everything right there on the couch with my feet propped up and my little doggy sitting next to me and uh, worked away. And, uh, you know, you had to get through it. And so I think that uh, one of the biggest things for me, again, in that time was community and asking women for help. I messaged a couple friends who had just had babies and asked them if they had Braxton Hicks. And one of them was really sweet and said, no, but actually so-and-so, do you know? You know them, right? Like they had Braxton Hicks. You should reach out to them. And so I did. And I had a lovely conversation with a friend of mine about their experience and how they actually had it worse with the second pregnancy. Um, Apparently Braxton Hicks can show up more in the second pregnancy than in the first pregnancy. So it was kind of more surprising that mine was showing up so much in a first pregnancy. But um, it was really helpful to talk to a friend and hear their experience and how it just was helpful to know I wasn't alone. And, uh, And so that that I just, I really, again, thank my community for that and, and having women to talk to about it. And, uh, and yeah, so had the baby, um, C-section middle of the night. Um, it was, it was really tough. The baby came in like three hours. So most of it at like 24 hours or seven hours, really long, um, you know, contractions and pain, um, my water broke at 1.20 in the morning when I called the hospital, and by 3.45, he was out. So I had another, I think, hour of post-surgery, which for a C-section is not supposed to take a whole other hour, um, but it did for me. And uh, But, you know, again, thanks to the doctors who saved my life <laughs> 
and uh, and my babies. You know, if we had been in in olden times, uh, I would I would not be sitting here. So you know, thanks to modern medicine, I'm able to <laughs> to be sitting here, and my son is a healthy, beautiful boy. And so I know that it was super painful and super scary for both of us. Um, my husband is very tall and in the operating room, they did not have that curtain up high enough. And I was looking at him like, do not look over that curtain. And if, of course you tell a boy not to do something, tell anyone not to do something and they have to do it. So his response was, you have a beautiful uterus. I was like, what, how do you see my uterus? What are you talking about? Um, yeah, that was crazy. But, uh, yeah, so he saw he saw everything from the other side of the curtain, and um, but was great, and he was wonderful, and he was right there next to me, thankfully in the hospital for the next couple of days. You know, you are you were at that time allowed to have one person with you. Thank God. I can't imagine some other women earlier in the pandemic that weren't even allowed to have anyone there with them. And I mean, I know of the news that I saw where nurses and doctors didn't really even go in. All the equipment was outside of the room just to keep track of everything. And women had to be in there by themselves. Oh my God, my heart goes out to to those women. At least I had my husband with me and I had nurses coming in and out of the room to be there for me. It, it was, it was really a crazy time. And, um, yeah, I'm glad that part's over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, post-surgery was rough. I had uh, a lot of a lot of pain afterwards and um, no help. You know, there was there was nobody because of the pandemic. There was no vaccines. There was no travel. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty scary. So um, the biggest milestone, I think, for me was the 100 days. It's a really awesome tradition that a lot of my – Chinese and Asian friends celebrate. It's a um, celebration of life at that hundred days is a milestone that ancestors believed was the point of basically of life that if a baby could live a hundred days, that it was likely gonna keep living. <laughs> like it was very hard you know, in early times for babies to live that long. And so if a baby lived to 100 days, then it was thought that the baby would be healthy and survive. So a celebration of that 100 days is common amongst the Asian community and my Asian friends. And I love it. I think that's just the coolest celebration. So we did a little, you know, photo uh celebration and took a picture of him with a little sign of like a hundred days. And for me, it was such a relief. It was like, okay, this is a big milestone. This feels better. This feels like, you know, my baby's not going to die in the middle of the night. It was such a monumental uh, milestone for me as a mom as a new mom, as a first time mom, and as a pandemic mom, you know, all these things are like clouding your brain um, right after birth because of, I think, the physical pain, because of the, you know, not having anyone there as help and sort of feeling isolated during a pandemic. I mean, I definitely had postpartum depression. I was in a 
dark place. Now, I'm very lucky and I don't take the word postpartum depression lightly. It is a very serious, real phenomenon in mental health that is very true. Um, Mine wasn't as severe as I think that it could have been. Thankfully, I did not have any um, suicidal thoughts. While that is apparently very common and completely normal, I was very lucky in that I didn't have that, but I did have a deep, deep depression, and it was very hard to get myself out of. And so I did turn to my therapist. Thank God (laughs) I had a therapist that I had been to for 10 years uh, before, off and on. She's amazing. Uh, Susan Lambert, she also does a podcast, In the Balance. If you're interested, go check her out. She's fantastic. And she's amazing. She has been my source of truth for a very, very long time. And she helped me in a time that I needed it so much. And I'm, I'm so thankful to her. And I'm thankful for the mental health, you know, community and that as a resource. I'm also very lucky that we can afford mental health coverage and, uh, and to be able to pay for that type of support. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky for that. And I feel so terrible for us as a society that we don't just have that freely available for the world, um, for, you know, this, this United States, it should be completely open and free to anyone and everyone. So you'll hear that as I talk through politics as one of my my main um, political beliefs and drivers. But um, thankfully, I had a therapist and she got me through such a deep, dark time. And I am so thankful for her and for that support and you know for my husband too because he noticed it and when I sort of casually mentioned that I should probably speak to Susan he was like yes why don't you do that why don't you schedule that so it was very nice to have a supportive partner who pushed me to to reach out and to have a conversation with somebody because I think without that support too it would have been harder for me to do it. I think that it's sort of our, for me, it's this incessant feeling of needing to do everything on my own and needing to do everything myself. And sometimes you're so deep, dark, down in a hole that it's hard to reach up and ask for help. And I was so deep in a hole that I don't even know how I recognized that I needed help, but I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that I was listened to by my partner to say, yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? And, and that support was super helpful because it just, I just needed a little bit of validation to do it. And man, it was so, it was so much better. Um, after I reached out to Susan. No, not right away. (laughs) Not right away. It took work. It took a lot of work. It took multiple sessions, you know, weekly sessions, then bi-weekly sessions for a very long time to feel 
myself again to feel my brain come out of a very dark place. And I think that that's completely normal. Like postpartum depression should be talked about. We should talk about it more and say that it's completely normal. I think there's so much controversy around feeling like you shouldn't talk about being depressed or feeling sad because you have this beautiful baby, this beautiful thing in your arms that you're so happy about and you wanted for so long. And now you have this thing and you're so sad. (laughs) You don't know why you're so sad. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think that's normal. I really do because all of our emotions are so high and so drained (laughs) at the same time. It's like, how do you know which direction's up? How do you know which direction's down? Forwards, backwards, upside down. All you can think about is, is my baby hungry? Is my baby, does he need something? Like, is he tired? What does he need? Like, that's that's what's important. Absolutely. And that is 100% your goal and your driver, but like, also you have to fuel yourself if you can help other people, right? And I think that as a society, as women, we have to start talking about that more. If we fuel ourselves and we feed ourselves first, right? It's like, it's like the airplane. You have to put the mask on yourself first before you put it on your baby. If you pass out, (laughs) who's going to put the mask on your baby? You got to put the mask on first so that you can take care of the baby. And that's what therapy is about for postpartum women. It is about putting the oxygen mask on, letting yourself breathe, letting yourself go. Okay, what do I need? How can I take care of myself so that I can take care of everyone else? And um, it's still, it's still emotional because it's hard and And it's hard because we don't want it to be hard. We're supposed to be happy. I mean, I'm so happy to have had this son, but it was so stressful and it was so hard. And I don't think just being a pandemic mom (laughs) makes me unique in that. (laughs) I think all moms must feel that, especially to some degree, because there is so much stress on it. Um, And it is so beautiful. So it's like something so wonderful can be so hard. And, uh, and that's normal. That's completely normal. So, um, you know, I think that that first hundred days was the hardest. Once he hit a hundred days, it felt a little more like I could breathe. And then as I was approaching six months, I think it was about four or five months, I was talking to a a community of women that I have on, um, Marco Polo, man, I did that so much um, early pandemic. And I had a wonderful group of women who kept going on Marco Polo and kept me going. And, um, as much as I didn't even chime in, I would watch their stuff and it did help me feel connected. So thank you to my friends on Marco Polo. You know who you are. And, um, And one of them said, just wait till six months. There's something about six months where you'll just be able to breathe. 
And so thank you for saying that because I did keep that in my head and I waited and I waited and I waited. And at six months, she was right. She was right. There was another milestone at six months that just felt like I could exhale. He was just more developed in a way that felt like he could breathe on his own in a way that I don't know how to describe it. Like I wasn't as afraid of SIDS because I was petrified of SIDS for the first six months, every day, every night, every second. It didn't matter that I had him on the outlet foot monitor. I had him on an outlet camera. I was completely in check on him all the time. I had a hard time sleeping. I had the, oh, and I had a radio, an additional radio um, next to me, which I still have to this day because the Wi-Fi could go out. And if the Wi-Fi goes out, I have the radio that is just needs a plug-in electricity. <laughs> and worst case, it was not too far away that if everything went out, I could hear him cry, but the radio at least amplified it and it was sitting right next to my bed. <laughs> so it helped me get through. But with all of that technology, I was still petrified of SIDS. And at six months, it was less scary. He could hold his head up better. He could roll over better. He had a bit more of a, of a personality. I think, I think at six months I knew this kid is a fighter. This kid is gonna be okay. And it still took me a lot longer to really feel more comfortable, but man, that six months was a big milestone. So I throw that out there to any new moms or any pregnant moms or any, you know, hoping to be expecting moms, like the first six months is the hardest. But after that, every day gets easier. Every day gets a little bit more fun. And by 10 months, man, I was like, whoa, this kid is like trying to walk. He thought he could walk. He could not really, but he had taken his first steps. Now, every kid is different on, you know, rolling over, on taking steps, on doing any of that stuff. I mean, some kids don't walk till they're 18 months. I get it. I totally don't mean it any. Um, my kid th- did this at this age. It's just a bit of mental switch. Um, there's a great book, actually, uh, my aunt Eve, she gave it to me for my baby shower and it's called wonder weeks. Thank God she gave that to me. It was fantastic. It is an entire book about these leaps that babies go through these mental developmental leaps that happen based off of gestational age. And this thing is phenomenal. It really helped me understand the mental development and where the baby's at. And it was in lockstep with those 100 days, 6 months, 10 months, 12 months, 14 months it, that really helped me to understand what was going on with my baby, what was going on with his head. And sure enough, it aligned so incredibly with helping me feel like he is at a milestone where he can develop where he is 
this own little person. So, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, the biggest so far, I would say the milestone of 14 months was really a nice one for me also of, um, feeling like I got a little, I got a little toddler. I got a little guy. Like he is a personality. He makes the same sounds as mama. He gives me the same faces that I give him. If I'm cracking jokes, he's cracking jokes. If we're dancing, he's dancing. He is a little mini mama. It is adorable. It is so hard and so amazing at the same time. But this kid is personality and I love every second of it. I love when he's talking back to me. I love when he gives me his opinions. I still am trying to figure out how to tell him not to hit me. Right now we're in a hit mama phase. Um, but he listens. You know, there's he knows not to touch the knobs on the stove anymore. That we've gotten past. He does not touch the knobs. I have let him touch the light on the stove. So he walks up to the stove and he turns the light on and off, but he does not touch the knobs. <laughs> so I feel like we both won. We came up with a compromise. He can push the light button and he knows he can't touch the knobs on the stove and everything like that has a balance. He's allowed to do this, but not that. He still loves to throw food on the floor because he knows he's not supposed to and push mama's buttons. He loves to hold the food over the floor and look at me with his eyes raised like, I know I'm not supposed to do this. And then he throws it on the floor. So we're going through that right now. Uh, but man, it's just so hard not to laugh <laughs> when he's doing something he's not supposed to. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to trying to find the balance on that. So that's where I'm at. That's what's going on. Um God, motherhood is amazing. It is so hard. It's so amazing. It's just, it's just indescribable. So, um, yeah, that's kind of brings us up to where we are today. That's been my experiences. Um, you know, I think again, those, those big milestones, 30 weeks pregnant, this shit is real and painful <laughs> this is when it sort of hits you. That post-surgery, post post-birth time is just really, really tough. You're not alone. That is completely normal. Um, just try to make it to that hundred days. It's a real, it's a real milestone and it does give relief. Uh, six months again is another developmental milestone that really helps you as a mom go, okay, okay, I can do this. Um, 10 months, you'll start to see that little personality start to come out more. You're like, oh, okay, this is, this is funny. I mean, it's a little scary, uh, but it's funny. And, uh, yeah, I'm at about, I'm almost at 16 months now with, uh, with my son. And, uh, that 14 to 16 months has been awesome because he kind of slowed down growing a little bit. It's like he's, he is in a non-growth spurt. <laughs> he hasn't grown out of his clothes. He's been wearing the same size for a little bit. He's stayed the same size for just a little while. And it's amazing. I get to hold him and carry him. 
And uh, he's going to hit another growth spurt soon, but at least I've had a couple months of the same size of a little being who's amazing and hard, but it's awesome. So I'm looking forward to all of the next things. And uh, I want to share all of that with you. And please share with me again. Follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to my podcast. Follow me. Message me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, I look forward to talking to you more. Thanks so much and have a great day. I hope you enjoyed our show today. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. Send us your questions and your thoughts for future shows. Thanks for joining me.